Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are always ready to help you personalize your insurance plan so you can create a policy that fits your needs. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. And you can always call one of the State Farm agents in neighborhoods across the country. Get a great rate without sacrificing great service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. In the last several years, criminologists have really begun to focus on the topic of women in crime. This interest has inspired Amy and I to create a podcast devoted entirely to true stories about women in crime. Twice a month, we will discuss individual stories of women who have been victims of crime or perpetrators. Sometimes these two are one and the same. We will also choose cases in which women have been falsely accused, exonerated, or women whose work in the criminal justice system has brought them notoriety. By staying true to our criminologist roots, we will tell you the full stories of these women, but we will also explain the cause of the events that happened and whether the criminal justice system got it right or not. No matter what, this podcast will focus on women in crime all of the time. So stay tuned. Women in Crime is available now. Sex, Satan, and the Sunset Strip. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. myself an LA history enthusiast. And I've been reading this book called Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA and the Secret History of the 60s by Tom O'Neill. And I was surprised at the mention of this alternative magazine called Tuesday's Child, which is a dark counterculture Satanist newspaper out of an office on the Sunset Strip. Not familiar? No, I but I, I want to be. The book is great. This newspaper just opened up a whole like hippie 60s occult. Like there was a whole sector of journalism at this time that was centered around witchcraft. It's great. Tuesday's Child was started on November 11th, 1969, three months after the Manson murders. It was self-described as an ecumenical educational newspaper for the Los Angeles occult and underground. It was founded by Art Kunkin and a group of Freep staffers, which is what they called themselves, and edited by Chester Anderson. Tuesday's Child was published weekly, later biweekly, from an office in Hollywood, kind of West Hollywood, in a rough tabloid format, selling for 25 cents a copy. To understand Tuesday's Child, you have to understand its predecessor, Los Angeles Free Press, and the staff who came from the publication. Founder of Free Press and Tuesday's Child, Art Konkin, was at the time unemployed, 36-year-old, and a former Socialist Workers' Party organizer. The Free Press initially appeared as a one-shot eight-page tabloid whose first issue was sold at the annual Los Angeles Renaissance Pleasure Fair, which still happens, which at that time was a fundraising event for KPFC Radio, where Art had a political commentary radio show. Los Angeles Free Press was subversive from the start. While the outside pages were a spoof of the fair's Renaissance theme featuring cute stories like Ban the Crossbow, the inside contained legitimate underground community news and reviews. 5,000 copies were printed, selling at 25 cents a piece. Popular magazine price, apparently. After the fair ended, Kunkin got enough backing to start putting out the paper on a regular weekly basis. In July 1964, fueled mostly by unpaid volunteers affiliated with KPFC, the cry on the corner of the LA Sunset Strip was, don't be a creep, buy a freep. 
Sci-fi new wave writer Harlan Ellison and Polish-American journalist and beat poet Lawrence Lipton were the first regular columnists. Famously, Charles Bukowski's open city column Notes of a Dirty Old Man was taken on by the Los Angeles Free Press beginning in 1969 when its other publishing vehicle, Open City, folded. So this was kind of the high point of the L.A. Free Press trajectory. In 1970, things started to go bad. Kunkin had three free press bookstores in Los Angeles, a typesetting plant, a printing company, and a book publishing firm, in addition to the weekly paper. There were 150 employees and annual revenues of $2 million, but in spite of this, the paper couldn't keep itself afloat and relied more and more on sex ads for revenue. In fact, Kunkin borrowed $60,000 from a bank to keep things going, putting up the paper as collateral. The loan was co-signed by Marvin Miller, a major California sex industry publisher who both advertised in the paper and allowed Kunkin to use his presses after he lost his original printers. In 1971, Kunkin defaulted and the loan was foreclosed and Marvin Miller became the new owner of the paper. It survived into the late 70s and was purchased by Larry Flint, who, as you know, huge magazine publisher, couldn't make a profit, and he soon shut it down. The last issue was on April 3rd, 1978. After he lost the free press, Kunkin started Tuesday's Child and brought in editor Chester Anderson. Chester was a Florida-raised beat poet who moved to San Francisco during the summer of love to play music and be a journalist, I guess. He circulated a number of his own zines in San Francisco, including Uncle Tim's Children, with its infamous often-quoted line. And again, I was looking for places that it was quoted. Joan Didion uh, has one, but he said, rape is as common as bullshit on hate street. So again, it's kind of a, a bold statement, really like poking at the uh, 60s uh, Northern California culture on hate Ashbury. Joan Didion described Chester Anderson extensively in her 1968 book, Slouching Towards Bethlehem. That's her like big book, right? What big, well, that and like the White Album, I would say. He moved to LA to be a part of Tuesday's Child and lived on a cot in the Tuesday's Child editorial offices. So Tuesday Child was a strange publication born from a communist counterculture paper turned sex rag. It had a do-what-it-takes attitude and welcomed notoriety. Along with the usual underground paper staples of drugs, rock and roll, and new left radical politics, Tuesday's Child devoted a ton of page space to the occult, with a number of issues printing arcane and obscure material by Aleister Crowley, who we've talked about many times in this podcast. Huge, huge... Uh, satanic influence on the West Coast. And they really exalted him. Like they really found his literature. And it was from what I've read, and there's a couple issues of it online, there's not many. It it's hard to tell what they what the what the people who were writing for Tuesday's Child believed and what was satire. And I think that they liked it that way, especially considering the people who created this kind of thrived off of that, that ambiguity. Here's a quote from journalist Micah Nathan describing the paper. Tuesday's Child is the sort of paper I'd have been really into as a teenager. Part horror novel, part anarchist cookbook, and part Mother Jones, with a sprinkling of Screw Magazine-style op-eds. A magical circle adorned the cover, coupled with the Latin palindrome, Sator, Aripo, Tenet, Opera Rotus, and the headline, Is Batpack really Hitler with a nose job? Not really. The paper is meant to frighten the easily frightened and outrage the perpetually outraged. If we choose to view occultism as the proto-provocateur, then it demonstrates the crucial flaw of contrarianism. Sometimes you align with the bad guys. So it's got this thing where it feels part secret society, 
part satire, social commentary, agitators. And also, I think it's it's big flaw to, um, and we'll put up some things from a couple issues, is that it's very political. So there is like, it is deeply rooted in progressive politics, but you're just not sure like what's what to take that part of it seriously. And the late, I mean, 1968 and yeah. late 60s is, is rife with political discourse and upheaval and social yeah. of the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was probably less confused. I think it was probably more digestible to people of the time than it is us right now, especially considering the climate that we're in right now. Here's what you might find in a regular issue of Tuesday's Child. An essay called The Universe as an Eclectic Train, featuring photos of a sheep, a primer on magic, a piece on demonology, a report on prison system injustice, a quick how-to on candle magic for beginners, a compilation of Aleister Crowley's nonsensical philosophies, an article called The No Bullshit of Tarot Reading, love it, an exegesis on numerology, a brief essay called Men Are Out of Touch with the Earth, and an essay called Sympathy for the Devil. Pretty comprehensive. (laughs) It was just chaos, and the paper would have even more attention and more eyes on it with its iconic coverage of the Manson case. But until then, we're going to take a little break. This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. Swanson Health has been producing quality vitamins and supplements, food, healthy home and self-care products for over 50 years. That's older than me, if you can believe it. Swanson Health is the only company to offer the full spectrum of wellness products for mind, body, and home. From quality products and supplements to cruelty-free beauty items to eco-friendly home products, Swanson Health is here to keep you healthy. Swanson Health only supports products they're proud to use and give to their own families. Backing everything by strict quality standards with the Swanson Quality Code. Swanson brand vitamins and supplements are crafted in the USA and made with unsurpassed purity and potency. Swanson Health carries over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use the code GHOST20 for 20% off at Swanson.com. That's the code GHOST20 for 20% off at Swanson.com. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me, switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell Technologies solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash Tech. Hello. Hi. How are you? We hope you're well. Checking yeah. in. Check in. Checked. It's, it's, been a, it's been a week, month, year. 40 years. Or more. Yeah. It has been a lot. Um, how's your week? My week is <laughs> fine. How was your week? My week was hell. <laughs> It was a week for the books. I think overall it's been really hard for, you know, it's been it's been a hard time for all of us in lots of different ways. But my week got a little bit harder because I got broken into. I, I moved maybe two months ago and the place that I'm now living in got broken into. Uh, my laptop and our ghost town laptop were stolen. We had some hard drives stolen. My wallet was stolen with the best a licensed photo I have ever taken. So I, I've never, I mean, we've been doing this for years now, almost 
two years, we're almost at the two-year anniversary, yeah. and I've never left my laptop here. Ever. And the one time I left it, it's the, yeah, it's the a Ghost Town laptop where we do the editing and yeah. you know, some of the work on it, and it is gone, and Rebecca's is gone and yeah. some hard drives are gone. So Ghost Town has taken a bit of a we hit. We got a hit. It's and, a hard week. But most us. importantly, Rebecca is is safe. I'm okay. They did break in while I was asleep. Weird, creepy detail. But I'm okay. We're okay. Most important. But um yeah, what what a what a week. But you know, we want to say, you know, if it wasn't for of course everyone listening, because mm-hmm. there'd be no reason to do this and of course all of our patrons thank you so much yeah. it's your contribution and help that is help alleviate some of the costs i mean these two laptops and the hard drives that came with them were pretty much the bulk of what we have i mean they didn't take any of the podcast yeah, they, didn't they take were any not interested in any of the podcast they were stuff. just like oh do you have you know you just have really basic stuff mm-hmm. okay well okay. we'll just leave that and they took no Ghost Town pins. They took no Ghost Town pins, so they're still available. I actually had to order more. We yeah, actually got rid of actually. How about that? So we want to say thank you to all of our patrons. Yes. Uh, we could not have done it without you. Yes, and also forgive us. We are rebuilding our studio because of that. Of course, we want to say what's up to Brandon Gaddis. Of course. Hello. Hello. Chris Witt. Chris Witt. In the house. Silent Sam. Silent as Shh. hell. So mysterious. <laughs> Jeanette Link. Jeanette, hello. And Lauren Pasek. Lauren Pasek, newest to the crew. Yeah, still a newbie. Still a newbie. Start hazing. What will she learn? Yeah. <laughs> so we got an email that was, we don't get a lot of emails, but when we do, it's always special. And Reed sent us an email. I hope mm-hmm. this email was sent to the correct address. But I wanted to say that your podcast makes me really happy. It's funny. Gives me information on spooky stuff. Have mm-hmm. a nice day, night, and stay safe. And there is a promise of a bit of fan art because she paints while she listens to the podcast. That is amazing. I cannot wait. Make Can you do it with Botox? I don't know if yeah. it's our faces, <laughs> but can you do it with can you Botox? Can down 10 years? Is that possible? And if it's the logo, put Botox on the logo. <laughs> it's yeah. all... Slather. I know how painting works. It's all very helpful. And thank you for the Apple Podcast reviews. They're really helpful. Mm-hmm. Got some new ones there. We got one that simply says, wow, so good from Isabella. Thank you so much. Isabella, you're so good. Wow. And there is another one. It hasn't showed up on here yet, but I saw it show up on, I think, Chartable where mm-hmm. uh, I'll I'll read it next time. But it, it does say something about, it references our Canada. Uh, if you remember the last episode, people said that maybe we were slagging Canada. Slagging Not Canada. True. This one was a, to be further. a pro us and pro Canada in our defense, and yeah. we appreciate it, and we'll talk about it next time. But our Patreon, we just put up a new bonus episode, is mm-hmm. patreon.com slash pod. Very, very helpful. And then next month, we'll be doing a portion of it will be donated to a charity that we pick, and we're That's still working right. on that as well, and try to get some episodes that uh, are ad-free and don't include any of what's happening right now. Yeah, you don't want this. We don't even want this. You don't, And you don't want the rest of it either. No. <laughs> so what's left? <laughs> just radio silence? It's, it's just it's just like energy, like sound waves, oh, like it's white vacuum. noise. It's like space. But we are rebuilding. We're rebuilding. Trying to figure everything out, trying mm-hmm. to edit and try to borrow stuff until we put the pieces back together. And we will. And in the big picture, not important. 
Yeah. But in the small picture, very important. Very important. <laughs> small, small pictures, picture. huge. We like the smallest pictures. We like really focusing on the teeny tiny pictures. Very huge. Um, but we're good. I'm safe. It's cool. I'm happy to even be bringing this to you right now. And we will head on. And, and if you want to check out our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. We got a, another message about Action Park on there. I think we're going to do an Action Park revisit. Revisit because we've got so many messages, <gasps> but you can check out with some. You might want to look at our faces. Some episodes, some yeah. are just the the YouTube version, but it's just Ghost Town Podcast, and our TikTok mm-hmm. is at, at Ghost Town Pod. You can find that. Okay. We do stuff that doesn't doesn't go on YouTube or on here, so it's just little little short little one minute things. Yeah, one miniters. Yeah, little, I would say. Like well, one hitters. One one hits. One hits. Yeah, because they're one hit wonders. Yeah, you, but they're not hits. You'll easily forget them. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of easily forgotten, Charles Manson. Who is he? Yeah, let's remind him. <laughs> let's get back to Tuesday's Child, the counterculture, satanic magazine, the gift that keeps on giving. So here's a refresher. I know if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are very well aware of who Charles Manson is. I don't have to do much refreshing, but just quickly, Charles Manson was a 5'6 aspiring musician, cult leader, and murderer with a personality disorder. He, Him and his followers committed a series of nine murders at four locations in July and August of 1969, essentially ending the very like American optimistic free love summer of love hippie, is over exactly um decade of the 1960s uh Joan Didion again if we're going to talk about her she wrote the iconic uh, white album about this time and it's incredible if you ever really want really beautifully written intimate portrait of how LA was of the t- at this time In 1971, Charles Manson was convicted of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder for the deaths of seven people, including very famous actor Sharon Tate, um, and then the heir to the Folger fortune, Abigail Folger. So, um, I mean, I'm sure just reliving that and also just, you know, learning about Tuesday's Child, capitalizing on this, made the magazine, newspaper, all the more contentious and controversial and alluring to people in LA at the time. Tuesday's Child loved to cover Charles Manson in a way that no other publication did or would or dare to. One issue had an image of a crucified Charles Manson on the cover. Another issue had a photograph of Manson on the cover proclaiming him Man of the Year, which did not... Again, think about putting a murderer, a cult leader on your magazine in the city that he murdered people during the trial for which he's being tried for murder. In a celebratory way. In a celebratory, in like a worshipy way, really. Um, it didn't make anyone very happy. The paper really mirrored the the darkness of celebrity of the 60s, and it put them under fire at that. It was kind of the turning point. Um, because after that, I really didn't find information beyond that, that the paper had any success, that it was doing better, that it, you know, nothing noteworthy was found until the paper ceased publication in mid-1970. I don't know exactly why this happened. I can imagine, you know, the Manson stuff and, and that exaltation kind of souring. I'm not really sure. But the staff of Tuesday's Child went their separate ways with a brief reunion after the LA Free Press was revived in 2005 and then disbanded again. I think, again, it's trying to get back that spirit, and you just can't 
like plus times change yeah how people absorb information changes and receive information changes and absolutely and also just the role of an alternative newspaper even in our lifetime has changed hugely well it it needs advertising Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what it is and you even see something like the la weekly actual paper it all runs on advertising and is it worth the cost and yeah. uh, is anyone looking at it and is it better off online, you know, at this point? So if no one's willing to put their – I mean, Ghost Town are willing to probably do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We're like, journalists. Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, but there's not – you know, we, we can't keep a magazine afloat. No. And, and just think about like the types of pieces that would go into a thing like that, you know, and not just ads too. I'd imagine the next thing they would do would be maybe – Anti-Reagan seemed like it would be the mm. most 80s, getting into the 80s. Yeah, good, MTV. Good. Yeah. Wealth and, you know, stock exactly. market. Greed is good. Yeah, that's right. So surprisingly, if they aren't dead, everyone involved in Tuesday's Child is still a journalist or a cult leader. I'm looking at you, Art Kunkin. After Tuesday's Child, Art Kunkin had a stint as a professor of journalism at California State University, Northridge. Then he went on to open the Temple of Esoteric Science, where he studied and taught meditation and esoteric sciences. He then spent several years as the president of the Philosophical Research Society in Los Angeles, which is actually very close to where both of us live and is still in operation today, followed by a seven-year apprenticeship in alchemy at the Parseculus Research Society in Salt Lake City, where he edited their journal Essentia. He then became a lecturer in alchemy and other New Age topics at the Institute for Metaphysics in Joshua Tree. Of course, this leads him to Joshua Tree. And then he was a columnist for the Desert Valley Star. He died in Joshua Tree on April 30th, 2019, at the age of 91. What a life. Yeah, what a full life. Full, crazy, strange occult life. Just give yourself. So lucky. Just give yourself to the occult and you'll live to at least 91. Exactly. Or at least edit. An occult article about goats. 